Hello Interweb Warriors, I'm glad you are here. I'm Les Bubka and you're listening to Accidental Podcast or something like that. I was looking forward to this conversation. Um, my guest is Lee Taylor from Retailer Karate. We spoke with Lee a few times online about mental health and other aspects of karate. We never met, unfortunately, but hopefully that's going to change in the future. I really like Lee's work on kata application on a pad work, so we uh, talk quite a bit about this. Uh, methodology of teaching, uh, obviously mental health, and uh, things we've got common. So, hate of cameras, hate of our voice, and how we try to challenge that with podcasts, YouTubes, and other means of communication. I hope you're going to enjoy it, and let's crack on with it. How are you? <laughs> Starting with this one. <laughs> yes, fine, thank you. I'm okay. It's good to meet you, Les. Finally. Good. good to meet you as well. Um, so, I heard a lot about you. As we said before, uh, we're meeting face to face for the first time. Um, could you kind of update us on uh, on your background in martial arts? I know you're doing karate and you're doing Kali as well, if I'm yes. mistaken. Well, I hope, hopefully, what you've heard. Is all good. Otherwise, I'll just deny it. I'll just deny it. <laughs> <laughs> all good, all good. <laughs> now, we haven't, we haven't crossed paths officially, have we? Which nah. is, uh, well, hopefully we can rectify that. Yes, um, I started uh, karate when I went into secondary school. So, what, that's age 11, 12? And my uncle was running the uh, the local class, and the style was Wadaroo. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> Did that for most of the secondary school until my club closed. Uh, went to college, went to university. Didn't really train that much. Just dab dabbled here and there with a couple of karate styles, and then um, got back into training in 1999 in the Shukakai uh, Shitoryu style mm-hmm. of karate. And it all stemmed from there, really. It just snowballed from there on in. And about 2005, I opened my first club in my hometown. I wasn't intending on doing it as a career. It was just a natural progression. Some of my peers and some of my friends did the same. So it was just like, oh, I think I'll... I'll do that. I was quite nice to reopen a club that my uncles used to do years previously. Mm. So I thought I'd be nice just to open a club again in my hometown and carry on the tradition, as it were. There'd been a few extra clubs through the years after I moved on and went to college and university and was chasing a career and things like that. There, a couple of different martial art clubs had been in and out of the town, but I don't think anything had stuck. So timing-wise, it was quite good to reopen another one in 2005 and it's we're still going today and then like i said it wasn't something i planned to do you don't really plan to have a career in teaching full-time it's just something evolves from your training and you think well perhaps it's time for me to help teach help coach and pass it on and then in 2007 i decided to 
jack my job in, hand my notice in, and have one month to replace my wage. And opened a couple more clubs and went full time in 2007. And here we are, 2021, <laughs> dealing with something else. So you, you, you're not looking back for the, you're not regretting the starting and how, because I done kind of similar thing, but maybe with more with the personal, I know you're personal trainer as well. Yeah. So I decided to quit my job. I'd done one big mistake. I give a year notice and the last half year, it was just suffering for, I think for all of us. <laughs> yes. It was just too, too long. I, um, but anyway, yeah. um, how long it took you to kind of digest that there's a possibility to transfer their hobby into their full-time job? Um, like I said, I opened my hometown club in 2005. I was still um, working full-time. I was on the shift, shift rotor. So it, was, it, it fitted in with that, and I was obviously still a student as well, still training. I was part of the association I was with. We were competing doing trips and i was helping out as a coach on the squad and stuff like that so it was sort of growing organically that way mm -hmm. um i still didn't really think this is what i want to do it was it, it grew it was all over, well 2005 to 2007 so there's a two-year period mm -hmm. and it was pretty quick um i got turned down for a promotion at this job I was doing and I was like well <laughs> fair enough and that was something pushing me to go now's your, now's your chance yeah <laughs> go do it now but I didn't listen I thought, well, I'll just find a job that um appreciate me more than they did and I basically jumped ship to another company similar processes and got the job that I got turned down for Mm -hmm. But I only lasted there three months because within that period, I was like, this is not me. So I should have listened the first time around <laughs> when I got turned down for the job. I kept pushing it off and making sure the club could still run amongst the shift pattern rather than going, do you know what, just leave that and then just do this instead. Mm -hmm. So I jumped, but I still jumped the wrong way and tried to make it fit. And it didn't. So within the three-month period, we actually did another couple of courses and, and trips with my association I was with at the time. And my son was involved as well. And it was on that, really, that said, I, wanted, I really want to do this. So um, I think I rang my wife up from this trip hmm. and said, I don't, want, I don't want to go back to work. This, I want to do this. This is, this is it. I want to teach. And uh, she said, fine. She's very understanding. <laughs> Yeah. Very understanding. It's not. I. It's not the ideal way, because I, like I said, I gave my notice in and I had one month to replace the way my last wage. So I wouldn't say it's for everyone, but it it obviously made it work for me to go out and, you know, make a go of it. I opened two more clubs, so I went from one club to three clubs, mm -hmm. and focused on on focused on them and and just and just grew from there. So I, I'm guessing that you're teaching children because I'm not teaching children and <laughs> I try to do all the promotions and stuff like that. And whoever yes. spoke yeah. to is just like, nah, you don't have children. You're not going to make money on karate. No, that's, that, is, that is what I found. 80% of my base is probably students, uh, kids and teenagers. Because, yeah, if you want to teach full time, that is the market you need to be in, really. 
to uh, to to make it. But I I, I swore myself I'm gonna prove it wrong, everybody wrong. I'm gonna make make it work with the adults. I don't know how and when, but I will. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. It grows from there. But no, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did yeah, that way around. Yeah, I would have had to have some other. I'm, means. I'm, I'm, I'm in a comfortable situation that my wife's got a good job and I'm taking care of children so I can perfect after that. that's and it when they're going to go to school I'm going to try to get into schools or maybe more into a oh good elderly, elderly elderly because that's what kind of find my niche I'm kind of happy about that but yeah I would like to do that why um, why are you still in karate what karate got that that you haven't moved on I know you're doing other stuff yeah. Like myself, we cross train a lot, but why? Why karate at heart? Um, I just think it's because it's it just happens to be me. It, it is me now. It's not something I need to um, try and explain why. It, it's it is me. <laughs> if that makes sense, it's just what I it's what I do. Um, whether it's because I just happened to learn karate from my uncles because there was no other choice, there was no other options. There wasn't much option to change when um, I went to college and university. Um, so it just got hold of me from at that age, really, from when my uncle started teaching me. And even when I came back later in 99, the, it was, I, I thought, I, need to, I want to go back into some training. My second son had, had just been born. And I'd moved to a job where it was nine to five. And I thought, well, I can actually start training again mm. in the evening. I think my wife just wanted me out of the house, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so again, locally, it was a karate club. Mm. So I think it would have been harder if it was a different type of martial art because I thought, oh, there's a karate club. That link to my childhood mm-hmm. made it easy for me to go in and go, well, I'm going to go back to karate. But... Other than that, it, I don't know. It, <laughs> we've been doing it long as me, and movement is just movement. It, it doesn't really matter what label is on it. Mm. It just all depends on who is teaching it and how how they're teaching it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think it still has a lot to offer. Mm. It's it's great for it's great for kids. Uh, the discipline, the structure. Um, the progression, I think it's still got a lot to offer. I know it's not a great word banded around the martial art community at the moment, <laughs> the word karate, yeah. but um, I think that's down to a, a lack of understanding, really. Mm. I, I think it's kind of um, changing now. I think the uh, British Combat Association, or British Karate Combat Association does, and the members of it, I think the, the image start changing, maybe thanks to uh, so much social media, Definitely. Um, so there's more, more people going practical. Yeah, there's stuff. definitely a huge amount out there now. Yeah, the, the BCKA doing a, provide a great platform to people to express that side of it. And there's a lot of others seeing that, oh, yeah, we can go down this road with it, with karate. And obviously with the, the work of all sorts of um, practical people like, like uh, Ian Abernethy and, you know, and... Um, Vince Morris and um, uh, there's a few others that just slipped my mind. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, always, yeah. it always happens, isn't it? You just uh, yeah. before interview, you know everything, and then ah, uh, uh, can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. 
it's still, still a still a battle to be had though to change yeah. people's minds but um you know i think it's going in the right direction everything comes in cycles anyway so it's going to come back around yeah yeah it's like fashion isn't it also. yes yeah. yeah um i personally don't understand weapons uh it doesn't something it doesn't it's not something that interests me at all i have uh no interest in it but um you do in Cali where there's a lot of stick fighting. Yeah. Um why not Kobudo? So start let's start with that question. Why not karate kobudo? And, yeah, and because why well, it's so much interesting in Cali? Yeah, well because um Kabudo wasn't part of our karate association. I didn't really knew it existed either, coming up as a as a youth and then coming back into karate, it came into an into an association that was uh competitive based. Mm-hmm. So it was sport karate, kumite, and, and kata. Um, and in, there was no um, link to kabuto then. So it's basically because it didn't come down my lineage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only came into it, uh, like you say, via the Kali route, because uh, I was obviously um, looking for something. I was looking for something else to add to what I was, what I was doing. And, and obviously, yeah, as you say, weapons are in Kali. But, and I've just enjoy that part of it with the um the coordination is the interesting fact is that they they start off with a weapon in the hand with a beginner and obviously and further on down the line you get to empty hand so it's like first number one single stick Mm -hmm. number two double stick and it goes down the list empty hand doesn't come down till later Mm -hmm. so straight away you're handed the weapon to work with and I think that's a great way back the other way around from my lineage or karate lineage. You don't pick a weapon up until much later. Mm. I, I, am I honest? I'm not specialized on Kali or Filipino martial arts, but uh, they tra- translate um, straight the weapons to knife to the empty hand. Is the same movement yeah. working every yeah. time, isn't it? Yeah, they have. Yeah. So, like, if you lose your weapon, then they have the same um, ideas from weapon to empty hand yeah the the motions and and the principles are, are the same so all of that coordination you've learned right from the word go with a weapon in your hand will translate for when you've lost your weapon so do you, do you think that the the kali is a good um how to say it? like you with the names i just lost the the word which i wanted to use of course um, <laughs> is that the complementary i got it now complementary stuff to karate does it work together Definitely. Or, you, or you have to kind of uh, adjust things? Um, it, it's, it's like the, um, uh, the founder of the group I'm with, uh, the Minnesota Carly group, which is founded by Rick Fay. He always said that it, it, it enhances your, your art. It doesn't replace your art. Mm-hmm. And the lineage from my karate, which was obviously um, the sport side, the competitive side with Kumite and Kata, I was looking for something else because I obviously thought that there was more to kata than step punch block counter mm-hmm. so I thought well I need to study that a little bit more and that's when I came across uh, Ian Abernathy obviously and got involved uh, with the way he um, uh, teaches kata and his, his theory behind it I was also then looking um, for the self-protection side of karate so as I was teaching I was like I need to be able to have this understanding of the confrontation because 
I can count confrontation examples on one hand I've had in 20 odd years so that's mm. a long time so my self-defense skills are either very good or I just don't hang around places that require me to use them uh, so I was looking at and I went to Jeff Thompson for that mm-hmm. and they're obviously linked and not, obviously he was the founder of BCKA on that course is where I met Al Peasland and Mick Tully who were involved in the Carly so I was looking at how they moved through the range so I guess say a lot of karate guys now are very, very pragmatic, very holistic, and they cover most of the bases. At the time, that wasn't covered, so I had to go looking, looking for it. About this range, this two-meter range, this long Oizuki range, I was thinking there's a disparity there. So when I came across Carly and watched these guys move, they, the way they moved in and out of range so fluidly, I thought, ah, I need to be looking at that mm-hmm. so that's why i thought the carly side of it with the weapon and the way they move in and out of range would then help sit in with what i was looking for from my karate to develop so when you when you join in the kind of more self-protection stuff um was it a, a lot of effort to um kind of um input all that information into your karate the reason why i ask him because i generally don't teach self-protection but I, I suppose I'm realizing now that just for uh, my members, it would be nice to have all that awareness aspect. Yeah. Like that. So I start now digging more into that. It's still it's not, not it, it, my thing, but... Uh, yeah, it's not a massive part of what we do because um, once you understand it, and it's not a huge thing to learn, really. It's, mm. um, it's part of a toolbox. So for something that might never happen and may not last that long in terms of the confrontation. Um, there has to be more to your martial art training than just that part that needs to address it. Mm-hmm. So yes, obviously you need to look at it and, and study it and see how it, how it fits with, with what you're doing, but it doesn't have to be the, you know, the be all and end all of your training. Sure. It's like I said, it's part of a toolbox that you may need to call on. I, I was um, reading through your, your website and then um, you've got there written that um, you are um, kind of using karate as a wellness uh, tool as well to, to improve people's wellness. Yeah. Um, and I think we had a conversation as well about the mental health and an aspect like that. So there's no avoiding that question. I'm asking everybody this question. What yeah. have arts done for your mental health or do? It, um, it helps to regain some focus when everything gets blurry as it inevitably does depending on um, life experiences or life events or what we're going through now as a country over the last Mm. 12 months now Um, things will go blurry things will go out of sync um, out of tilt and your focus goes uh, your um, mental well-being drifts sometimes it drifts without you realizing it until you're so far gone you need a little bit of help to come back and i think this is the training that does that mm-hmm. helps helps with the routine helps to settle the mind obviously helps with the breathing uh, and then helps you to refocus on what it is you were trying to do amongst all the other noise that can be going on in your life 
Yeah, definitely, I do agree with that. Um, it's funny because now you say that you you don't you're not noticing the the stuff creeping on you, and just I had a yesterday that realization that it crept on me and jumped on me yesterday. So yesterday was really really bad day for me. Mentally. Well, to to be fair, this month has has been totally different for me. Normally, um, January is never a great time of the yeah. year, anyway. But I think it's because previously. I'm too busy trying to get the clubs back up and running after a Christmas break and get people focused. And because it weren't allowed, I think the whole month of January crept on me mentally this time more than ever. So I was like, this is a little bit strange this year. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you call it, the January blues or the third Monday in January, that's the, apparently the worst one of the month. But yeah, definitely noticed this, this year, this month. I, I, I think as as you know because I, I, I'm presuming that your you what you're teaching is mostly hands-on. Uh, I think mm. this this year it was terrible for us, uh, not being able to train and punch each other, throw each other, <laughs> chop each other. Yes. Yeah, miss punching people. <laughs> <laughs> That's very strange habit, isn't it? It is. Whilst whilst smiling. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Speaking of punching and and hitting. Um, you kind of specializing, at least that's my impression from the uh, online stuff about you and what friends saying. It's is pad working. You've kind of have a really great um, translation of kata into the pad work. Can you tell us something more about it? How how your mind works with it? How you decipher it? Uh, yeah. So obviously, um, I learned how to look at kata in a different way via Ian's method. Um, I'm not somebody that goes, all right, I've been on a seminar with Ian, so that's it. That's the, the answers are all there. I was like, no, I need to know a little bit more about this. Mm -hmm. So over like a two-year period, I kept going to as many as I could, and then I was uh, invited by Ian to do his introductory uh, instructor award. So that mm -hmm. over an 18-month period, I had a chance to look at it. And then the following 18-month period, again, lots more studying of his method and I had to look at my kata with that method and then became an instructor under his method. And then it was just a matter of looking at the hands or the peanuts really, of having another way of training them without um, realizing you're training the same principles. Mm -hmm. So we, we have the kata, obviously, the solo practice. We have the partner work, again, which is done in the same order as the kata. We try and then... Uh, free up a little bit to break the order of the kata as it were so your brain's not thinking oh, i must do it rote and um, so the best logical step at the time for me was to think well how about hitting pads and not just the normal way of <laughs> hitting focus mitts when somebody's just standing there mm -hmm. and you just throw a few techniques i thought it needs to be a, a two-way process so you can get some feeling back from the pad holder because mm -hmm. a lot of paddle and the guys just standing there not yeah. too much and um, then the bad ones is when they're moving the pad and he's doing more than work yeah, on the that punch. Is, that, that's very, very common recently <laughs> that the pad holder does more job than uh, yeah he does <laughs> more work don't get me wrong the paddle's job is more important than yeah. the guy hitting him but not when you're actually doing more work than the guy so i thought well i want something that will take a few moves out of the cutter not the order of the cutter and then get some feeling back from the person holding them. So we, we, we very much, you know, a lot of drills, you very much dominate that person. 
which is good. But then sometimes you need to realize, oh, this is going wrong. Something's happening uh, where I haven't got the advantage. So the pad holder will may push your limb or, or move your limb around or offer a little bit of resistance. So you then, your brain then has to work. Oh, I need to move. So instead of fighting against it, which, you know, a lot of karate guys, we do, we want to power through. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I will make this work. I will yeah. make this work. Yeah, right. Okay, I need to actually yield to this pressure and find another route. So that was my thinking, and I managed to come up with some not, some pretty uh, coherent uh, pad drills for each each am. So they're not long, they're not complicated, they don't require finite movement. They you, you just go in. You actually start with a preemptive shot, and that can be anything. So you have your little self protection side, and then you go into the, the the drill where it doesn't go your way, and then you move to another angle. So all I wanted to do was. Enforce the principle of angles in kata. Mm-hmm. Again, so like I say, most most focus mitt drills are linear. You just face your partner, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but with these, you actually need to move mm-hmm. uh, around that person to to, to maintain your advantage. Uh, and they've gone down really well, actually. The students enjoy them, and, and they're out there for people to download and and take a look. And there's been some nice response from people who are using them. Cool. I've seen a few for which Ian Ian posted and it looks very very interesting. I'm kind of more used to it to the sports side, so like you're saying, more boxing and kickboxing. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, still do all those. They still have their place, but it's just a specific role for the kata training. I, I, I've done kind of a similar, but with our uh, more modern kata, uh, and, and interesting because I, I'm constantly tweaking my um, syllabus. How did you fit that within your syllabus? Do you have it with every, is it a requirement for every kata you do that you've got some students have to do the pad work? Um, not the pad work because they're relatively, they're relatively, well, not relatively new. This, well, they've been two years almost three years probably in the making and and the, and the devising and the working out to make sure it, it, it it's a good drill and it has benefits to their training um so i really put them in there as a requirement the cat is still there as obviously in the bunker with your partner is still there the pad work is almost a bonus not really of a testing requirement oh. i do have a i do have a couple of uh basic focus mitt drills coming up through the syllabus are you, are that you... people have to do are you using them as well with your um, normal personal trainer training clients, or are you strictly now doing just karate? My question is. Oh, I those ref- are just I the karate re- ones. Yeah, yeah. I will rephrase the question. Are you teaching karate when you're doing your personal training clients? Because I'm trying to. Um, um, yeah, some some of them are transferable skills. Yeah, you take parts of what you think will benefit benefit that client. Definitely. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't package it as, oh, this is a kata move or this is a, you know, mm. um, um, a specific drill. How, how many katas are you having in your, in your system? Have you reduced the amount? Or are you keeping all the Shukai <laughs> katas? No. <laughs> well, yes. As you know, um, the Shitoryu list is about 40-odd long. So uh, Kenwa Mabuni was obviously uh, a very a very huge prolific kata collector mm-hmm. and he was he was he was um very much um appear to a lot of um the founders of the other stars that they would say that 
if you need to know Kata, go and see Kemo because he had a lot of knowledge. Um, and no, I stripped, I stripped a lot of it, a lot of it out, really. Um, because of that, it was one of uh, Mabuni's um, statements is, um, what was it? Uh, I've got it written down. I can never remember quotes. I can't remember quotes. <laughs> I, so, I so admire Ian for doing that. He just pulled Oh, yeah. He, he, he stood out of the air. Oh, he's great for that. Yeah. yeah, uh, Brett's, no matter, yeah Brett's no matter how great means little without depth. So, um, if coming from somebody who had. <laughs> Loads of catters in his arsenal. Yeah, breadth without uh, depth, really. So I stripped quite, I stripped quite a few out. So um, is the I know you've got the uh, book about kata, uh, the Ankako, which I'm not familiar with. Is that your favourite kata, or is, why why did you chosen this one? Oh, an Anku. Yeah. Anku, yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Anku. I, I really enjoyed an Anku as a as a student and I, as a, a junior competitor because uh, yeah, it's not in everybody's lineage, so it's not one that transfers across to other styles. And it, and it was at the time it was uh, quite interesting, different from the Heians and different from um, a few of the other cats. There's a couple of moves in it that look are quite unique, and. Um, there's not much history written about it. It's hard to find out where it came from. There's only a small couple of paragraphs written. Um, so that's what interested. I was quite successful with it as a junior competitor. So that probably aided my enjoyment of it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and because of there was not much written about it. And I really do like what's inside the kata. I decided to pull it together and, and then create a little book about it. And... Um... Which of the katas uh, do you prefer to teach? I, I'm, sp I'm guessing that you are influenced by Ian and you, because you instructors under his method, uh, the, a lot of focus will be on the pinans, isn't it? Or am I wrong? Yes. Um, yeah, well, the Heians, the pinans, yeah, definitely they're the, the, the base five. But um, we sp I spent a lot of time working on them because they've got a lot to offer. Mm -hmm. um, but with them, Satori and Sugarkai, there's, there's um, a surete influence and nahate influence in it, so I like the obviously the kasok and dai, and then like the uh, seipai as well. So they got the the, the um, shiturate, shiturate, uh, influence and the nahe, nahate influence. So I like so the mixture of both. Okay, so so I'm not not very familiar with shukokai because funny enough in Poland um, there's not many of shukokai guys. It's dominated kyokushin and. Uh, uh, Shotokan and some Gosoku. Mm. Um, but the Shukokai is as well a mixture of both the kind of Shotokan or all, all, all the katas in together so you can pick and choose yeah. whatever lineage you want. Because that's kind of what yeah. happened in the Kyokushin, so kind of my lineage that uh, there are Gojuryu and uh, Shotokan kata mixed together mm. and just all modified that nobody knows what's going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, is yes, I like those both influences. Yeah. Is that in in Shukokai as well that they um instead of keeping them uh traditionally not changed, they are mixed and influenced so they are a different flavor, let's say, um to the original. Yeah, there's this the yeah, there's slight associational changes. Mm -hmm. So within within Shukokai you could go to different uh groups and they would have a slight take slight different take on the same list of kata. Mm. 
So I think I think that just I think that's just natural wherever you go, really. So there's not much standardization, really, even even within the same group. So they they, they tweak things here and there. So um, what's your what's your uh, as we're talking about uh, kata being modified? What's your what's your stand on the modification on kata? Are we allowed to modify it, or should we keep it as it were? Well, it's probably not as it was anyway. <laughs> I don't think there's any proof that the kata is what it was. <laughs> there's not much. There's only a few that you've got some yeah. uh, evidence to with some of the uh, early books. But uh, we, we can't really tell for sure what moves we're doing were actually the moves, as I put my quote marks up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, I can only go with what's been handed down to you, really. Mm. I'm, I'm always interested in people's um, methodology um, of teaching. Are you, um, bring, are you sticking to the kind of traditional karate method of teaching people or are you looking outside or well, i'm kind of i'll answer myself in my head you're taking from cali as well um but are you looking as well outside the the your qualification as a personal trainer did that impacted the way you teach or is it kind of yes. separate because i've got some people who say no karate is karate my personal training is something else the aikido i do is something else and whatever try to not mix everything my opinion is I'm mixing everything, so I'm bringing whatever I find like in it and makes sense. I use it in my karate. Well, that, that's it. That's it. You 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 grow as a human. Uh, I teach slightly. I started in teaching in 2005, 2007. I probably don't teach the same as I did then, mm-hmm. because you you grow as a human. You learn, you develop, and then you pass it on. I understand the labels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm. Um, teaching a personal training client to a karate client, of course, there's differences, but some some of the mythology of you teaching is the same. Some of the principles of how to teach and how to pass over information to both of those individuals are gonna cross over. So you you, sh- you should gather information and techniques and um, knowledge of how to get that message across to that person so your influence should be wherever you can get it from so i went the personal training route because teaching exercise is teaching exercise part of a karate class is exercise so some of those principles and ideas are going to transfer over and ultimately the goal of the personal training client and the karate client is different but like i said the, the mythology of teaching that there's going to be crossover. So yeah, definitely get knowledge and, and uh, experience and ideas from the whole spectrum of teaching. What do you think about the uh, Makiwara training? Is it still relevant or um, parts are much better, backs are much better? It all, depends on your, it all depends on your goal or your approach to your training. Impact training, whatever it is, is going to have a benefit at some level. Mm-hmm. So hitting some hitting something is going to have a benefit. Depends where you want to take that and how you want to develop it. So yeah, if you if you if you're thinking if you're thinking of being 
a little bit more uh, productive in what you're hitting, a bit more live and, and movable, then there's nothing better than a focus mate because it's moving and you're working with somebody and you're, you're working out the timing with somebody. If you're just hitting something for reps or posture or uh, alignment, then fine, it does, it does the Makiwara will do that job as well. Mm-hmm. So it's horses for courses, really. Um, with the current um, situation, most of us have moved into the realms of um, training online. I, I noticed that you've got a um, few courses online on uh, Thinkific. I don't know if I say it properly, but complicated word. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, think, what, yeah, Thinkific. What, what, yeah. Was it a, a difficult to conversion? I keep thinking about it, but I, I just I can't bring myself to do it to record all the stuff, edit stuff. Um, I, I just can't. Bring yes, it is. It is. It. it is definitely a hard job. Like I said, um, I created those five um, Heian, Pinan Padules, and if, like I said, it took me two years. Um, I filmed them, and then they went out as a DVD. Which is now probably gone the same way as the VHS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one really puts a DVD in anymore and have a look. So I then um, I refilmed them again about eighteen months ago and mm-hmm. had progressions with them uh, to take them to another level and add another um, part of the training. So I refilmed them and with my son, who's uh, currently at university studying digital media and. He likes film work and camera oh, work. You've got, you've got somebody who can help you. Then. Well, yeah, but it is still such a lot of work. It is a huge amount of work to put something together. So, but it is really it is really difficult. I've done bits here and there, and then as my sons have grown up, they sort of helped here and there. But obviously, they've got their own paths, mm. and they're busy. But it, it is difficult to put something together to put out there on online. I don't think it's as easy as people say, oh, just put your phone on and put the camera on, press record, and where you go. Because <laughs> they think it's that easy to put something up online now, but I'm, I'm with you. It's a little bit I, I, uh, I, love. I, it's a bit of love and hate with me at the moment. I think that people are some of the people are just naturally born to be in front of a camera. Yeah, there is that. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not the one. I always no. forget what I wanted to say. It, it's strange, though, isn't it? Because you can teach all day long to your students without faltering. Yeah. Same with me. You're, it's, it must be comfort zone, and I can teach to a group, whatever. Suddenly doing it in front of a camera that you were putting out there, it just goes to pot. That's, that's <laughs> why I'm speaking to books because I don't know. Yeah. It's different. The book, book, when I look on the book, I don't have the same final uh, kind of fear. Yeah, I like the book. Lens. Um, yeah, I like, I like the book. Yeah, there is definitely some fear. It's strange. It's a strange process. I'm still coming to terms with it. I, I fight with it. Shall I put more out? Shall I? I'm, I'm, you know, especially. Well, I haven't really got a dojo to go and do it at. Because some yeah. people have still got their uh, their own dojo that they can pop in and film and put stuff out. I haven't got that. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I teach at satellite clubs, see, so I don't. I can't. I haven't got my own place. Same for me. I've got a little bit of a, a extension we built for children to run about, so I can record here. But whenever I look on it, on the yeah, I record some. I recorded uh, the tenth Q, uh, you know, requirements, and I put them on the on a screen. And I think, oh, you can see the computer there. You can see the bit of a mess there. Oh, that's not yeah, good. yeah, that's not good. And just thinking, yeah, I don't want to be putting something which doesn't look professional. 
Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. I suppose with the current environment, I'm never going to be professional. No, we're not. No, no. There's a lot of prolific guys out there that are re I'm really impressed with the way they just keep doing yeah. it, like Andy Allen and uh, Mal Jones and um, Chris Hansen. And uh, they're just, it's coming and it's coming. It's like awesome. I don't know how you guys crack on and do it but like i said i haven't got a gym <laughs> mine's outside <laughs> I, I, bl I blame everything on my children i just don't have time you know when they go i wish i could sleep, do that yeah or they go to sleep it's you know nine o'clock in the evening then i have to do my work yeah then it's midnight and i can't be bothered to record anything <laughs> and chris just keeps pushing me oh you, you need to do more of this you need to better your um screenshots and you need to better uh yeah popping out things i don't know how to do that no <laughs> i keep chasing i keep chasing my son to do that <laughs> he's busy <laughs> yeah. um so you you're in wales are you training a lot with um, um kudomal he's kind of appeared from nowhere at least from me with his kudo i like yeah. kudo personally yeah but um, he seems to be on the on the mission of um uh, converting everybody to kudo <laughs> converted yeah um uh i'm a couple hours north of where mal is based he's based in barry near cardiff uh, but yeah i've been um as much as i can whenever he's put events on or, or training sessions and stuff i've been going down there and um yeah uh, wow well, it's got to be possibly five five or six years probably since i met mal or well he he stalked me, really. <laughs> yeah, he stalked me, and then we had a chat, and that was it. We that was it. We just nodding, not oh, while we were talking, our heads were just nodding. Yes, yes, yes. So, so we just we just developed from there. It's a great it's a great avenue for people if if they want it. So um, I had a group of guys that, like I said, I came from the competitive side of karate, the WKF rules, the point scoring. Didn't leave it behind. We were still doing a little bit. I wasn't in, it wasn't massively part of what we were doing. Um, but then I, I developed a group of um, teenage lads <laughs> as they were coming up. Obviously, we wanted to test because they're teenage lads. So I thought, well, we're not going to go down the, the point scoring um, because that's not what I think is going to be valuable for you. Uh, the best, the next best thing, the test you and your ability would would be uh, what my offers with with the kudo I, I think so i think if he's gonna do that um open so the the let's say branch of the kudo will not step in and, and say only for kudo members i think that's gonna be a great platform to test for people around especially yeah. on the practical side yeah i don't i don't thought it's not it's not for everybody because it is you know it it's it's, it's competitive it's competitive as any competitive avenue is, um, but it, it's you know there's there's a lot there that you need to get your head around and your ability around before you want to step on the mat and test it. I like the platform. I, I like uh, what it offers um, because even though you can grapple and you can take down and you can go to the floor, you're not allowed to be on the floor that long, which is ideal. Which is like, it's an ideal skill to have to. I think it's like 30 seconds. Yeah, 30 seconds. on their floor, which is it's an ideal skill, you know, which is, that's a good transferable skill if you're looking at the, the self, the self protection side. Um, but he's always, he's always clear and concise, Mal, is he gives you everything you need to develop your um, students if they want to take this avenue. 
he's never blase about it. It's, it's never blurred. It's matter of fact. This is what we do. This is how we do it. And my my the boys that I um, got involved with doing it knew what was expected of them from start to finish. So it, it was a it was, it's a great platform. Mm. It, it's I, uh, it's a good one. I found that um, we took part on. Uh, in a pact, so the practical application. Oh, yeah, yeah. From, from That's another one I've missed to go <laughs> with, yeah, with Doug. Yeah. It was really, really good. And what, what um, made on me a huge impression is Doug and his instructors. A, they're super yeah. friendly guys. And a B, I never been on a tournament um, who was that honestly judged. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Doug, I, I can't wait to go on another one of those. Doug, Doug Connell is a, is a great guy. Uh, I trained with him a couple of times on Ian's residentials. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things that just keep clashing. And then there's going to be so much to attend after we allowed out. Yeah. <laughs> there was so I, much to... You know, even at the moment, I just, like I said, because I've got children, it's so many things happening now, easily accessible via internet, that yeah. there's just not enough time in the day to mm. attend everything. There is so much there. There is so much available that we've been forced to go online to find. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the teachers keeps us busy. Do you think that it's going to stay? It's going to be a thing now, permanent thing, when we go back to normal training, that some activity is going to happen? I think online? so. I, I think it will. I think there will be parts where, the, where clubs um, will offer mm. some sort of avenue online. It won't be as big and as often, but I think there will be bits. Um, for example, uh, the bad, uh, bad weather. Maybe you get yeah. snowed. you get snowed in. Well, quick, get on the Zoom, put the put a session up, and away you go. Yeah. Or yeah, go on. Yeah, or it'll be a lot of them. You can record what you're doing anyway, so there's a library of info that you can set up for beginners to take a look at and work work, work their way through. So I think there's going to be something mm. as part of your training. It's going to be there. I, I've got few few of my. Um guys from the fitness side so not, not the karate but the karate fitness side um express that uh, they will be happy to keep saturday morning on online mm. um I well, if, you, if you've noticed it's on telly um the adverts for the what is it i better not advertise it a certain brand of bicycle oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so you've got it all in front of you it's online live training sessions you're on the bike and there's you notice there's a few more of those type of things popping up now. Mm, yeah. All from the comfort of your own home. Uh, but, yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. I hope we're going to go back to normal training. I prefer normal yeah. training. I'm sure we will. You can't learn pain from a laptop. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> very true. Um, what is the future holding for you um, as an author, as a teacher, and a club development? Well, get back to the club on the short term. <laughs> in the short term, get back to the club. Um, just get, yeah, it's hopefully um, most of them will come back. Mm. <laughs> I've lost, lost um, not lost, but not that many have followed on online, really. Um, but when we had that little gap where we went back, some of the clubs in Wales reopened and reopened England opened a bit as well. Yeah. They all, they all, the ones that didn't join me online for that really long first lockdown, 
they, they actually came, they all came back training. So again, hopefully we can get that going again and get them back into the club for uh, face-to-face, face-to-face training. Uh, as club development, I'm happy with the clubs that I have. Just keep them uh, growing and developing. Personal development is just keep training, keep training, keep learning. <laughs> yeah, keep training, keep learning, and then pass, planning, it, pass it on. You, are you planning to write more books? I see you've got... Uh, um, well, yeah, I've got two. Yes. Both of those developed from not having any reference material for students, really. Mm. So that, that's why they developed and they actually um, have come across well to others. One on the Hayans and the Ananku one that you mentioned. Mm. Possibly, possibly a book. Um, like you said, I've got a platform where on Thinkific, which is where I've uploaded all the Hayan drills and a few basic pad drills that people can uh, go online and purchase. So possibly, like you say, get in front of the camera again <laughs> at some point and put a few more of my thoughts up on that type of training. Um, just uh, just being there, uh, it's taught me, this period has taught me a lot about being grateful, really, mm. more than anything else, being grateful. Um, I've luckily enough uh, not caught it or know anyone that has. My family's healthy. Uh, my son's healthy. Uh, so you, there's nothing more you can... Uh, want really yeah yeah that's that's very true um can you tell us where to find uh connections with you so facebook's instagrams whatever you're running yeah facebook and instagram um website uh the thinkific platform all comes under the name lee taylor karate Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the link links below in the, in the description so you can guys find it um, without. Yeah, I've also, I've also got a podcast as well called the Ten Minute Dojo. Um, you can find that on all of your favorite platforms. Again, that's another thing I need to get on and yeah, do a couple more. I, I just I just remember that I forgot that you got the podcast because I've been listening to it and then oh good thank you very much. It, it, it suddenly. I kind of lost the track of it. Maybe because yeah, there's so much I'm, other I, stuff coming through. There is. I can't believe that's over two and a half years old, man, because that was another thing. Like you said about camera work and being in front of the camera, I can converse with my students and, and chat, but actually talk about a subject by myself, knowing that other people are listening, was the bit I thought, well, I'm going to challenge myself and see where this goes, because I don't... <laughs> I don't talk that much. <laughs> yeah, I can a- I can answer questions. I, I don't really initiate conversation. I've always gone by the motto: the less you speak, the more valuable your words. That's always resonated with me. <laughs> so I thought a challenge of a podcast will uh, will uh, I, I, see, I, see where it goes. I've got exactly the same. It took me. Well, I'm doing this from what from last March, so nearly a year. And it yeah. took me a good eight months to to get used to it. And You've got some great episodes, though. You've got some great episodes out there. Thank you. Uh, at the moment, I'm just starting to try to put my thoughts into it more because mm. I'm really afraid of that. I, it, it's it's much easier to converse with people when I just yes. throw a question, then I sit yes. quiet and people <laughs> people talk. Well, that's why I didn't really want to go down the interview route myself. I wanted to see if I could get my thoughts out verbally. Mm. and get my point across that way so uh that's well and i didn't want it that long hence the name 10 minute dojo 
mm. sort of comes in at that time. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting journey that has. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I never, never thought I'm gonna have a podcast, but thank no, you, uh, no. courtesy of um, Skype and interview with uh, Andy Allen. I managed to cut the screen half, so it was oh. only half of Andy and half of me. I don't know how that happened. I had twice with the twice with the uh, Skype like that, and then somebody suggested, "Why don't you put it as a podcast?" So yeah. here we are. There we go. <laughs> But it, what, I know, time goes by, doesn't it? And 12 months yeah. later, here you are. You... But, but I think it done me a, a lot of benefit. I feel more comfortable talking to people. Which, yeah. You know, small small talk, it's not my thing. I just... No. Definitely not my thing. No, I'm the same. I think we're, we're, we're very very similar there, me and you, Les. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not into small talk. <laughs> yeah. But as well, I hate my voice. Actually, now I start liking it, especially that, you know... I True. That's another another thing that takes a while to get used to, isn't it? Yeah, so hearing yourself. I mumble a lot. I do a lot of uh, 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 which drives me nuts yeah. when I'm hearing it. But it's a whole it's a whole different whole different skill set, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. But you know, feedback from people was that my voice is voice calming to people, and they like to listen to it. So yes, well, and it's a challenge. Yeah. Like like you said, you know, a good challenge, something, do something uh, completely out of. Uh, comfort zone and see what well, happens. Well, that's it. That's what we have to do. That's what we do as martial artists, isn't it? We, we, uh, we enjoy where we are training and then now and again we need to be pushed a little bit. Yeah. Step outside that zone and find a few new skills or uh, just, new ways it, of training. It just doing all those this stuff takes time and there's just oh, uh, not enough yes. time for it. You know, I, I, I'm really amazed how people doing all sorts of things, you know. I know, even in, even in lockdown, we don't have enough time. <laughs> yeah, well, I have actually less, less time because we decided to not send children to, to nursery. Yeah. They had a few, a few um, cases around us. Like, you know, south of England is the mostly impacted. So we decided that, you know, my wife's working from home uh, full mm. time. I can take care of children. But then it's just not, not enough time for me to write and do stuff because I mm. had that, that couple of days when they've been in nursery where I could focus yeah. on doing my work. And now it's just, uh, I'm spending time with children, having fun. But, you That's know. it. Full, full, respect, full respect, my friend, and to every people who've got young children. Mine are grown up now, so I don't know how I'd be coping at the moment. <laughs> I'm too... <laughs> Homeschool kids. I'm in huge uh, uh, impressed impressed with parents at the moment and their young yeah. children. Well, it's it's not it's not too bad, but you know they 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 kind of suffering every time we're going by the nurseries. Like, oh, I mm. want to go back to my friends and stuff. So, so this Thursday they're going and I can crack on with the with the writing. Hopefully, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Lee, it, it was a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad that we met. Eventually. Yes, we'll enjoy it. Um, I'm hoping that we're going to meet in person when all this... Oh, yes, I hope so. ...going <laughs> to pass, and, and then um, we can test your um, pad, work, pad work. Oh, yeah, pleasure. <laughs> Love to. Um, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, Les. Thank you very much.